Hello and welcome to another episode of Budget Podcast. My name is Nancy Odimego. Good to have you join us. Um, our discussion today would be more transparency and accountability being an element for good governance. And uh, leading the conversation, I have the acting head, media and communication at Budget, Iyanolua Fatoba. Hello, Iyano. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Fine, thank you. So good to have you. So good to be here. Thanks. Um, I also have Viola Kwaga, Senior Research and Policy Analyst. Hi, V. Hi, Nancy. How's it going? Ah, it's going well. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And uh, last but not the least, we have the Head Extractive Department at Budget Foundation, um, Engineer Adijoke Akimbode. Hello, Adijoke. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, let me also seize the moment to say Happy International Women's Day, because the month of March from the beginning till the ending are for women so viola i should say you are special for being in their midst today blessed am i amongst women (laughs) (laughs) okay um so public procurement and open contracting at the subnational level for one um i'd say i'm excited about this conversation uh, because i know for a fact that the civil society organization the media and you know the general public uh this particular discourse is one that they actually look up to and they actually um feed off information from conversation like this so um let's um have a look at what public procurement uh and open contracting entails in general and i'll begin with you adejoke yeah, thank you, Nancy, for that question. Um, I mean, um, open contracting and public procurement cannot be is a very serious topic in in Nigeria. Yeah. You know, and open contracting really is just um for governments to publish their um contracts. You know, from awarding of how they award their contracts to um contractors, contractors. and this will um make citizens to actually be able to monitor and evaluate contract implementation. You know, mm-hmm. it's just um. It's a strategy to increase contract transparency, basically, and the monitoring of contracts. And of course, there is a lot of benefits in terms of quality of governance, better value for money, mm-hmm. you know, it reduces corruption. And of course, service delivery will increase, and there is, um, we, at the end of the day, we get better development outcomes. Likewise, um, public procurement um, is the process um, through which public institutions actually carry out public functions and they acquire goods and services to meet the identified needs of the citizens in a country, in a particular country. The benefits also cannot be overemphasized, you know. It stimulates competition between companies when there is public procurement Mm -hmm. laws in the country, in states, and of course, it enables corporations to provide employment to citizens. And you see, at the end of the day, there's a greater efficiency in the use of natural resources, right? So... Basically, that's just um, overall um, what open contracting and public procurement procurement entails. Generally. Generally, yeah. All right. Thank you for that. Now, you mentioned some benefits, but I also want Iyanu to actually speak more on the importance of open contracting, you know, for transparency and accountability at the subnational level. Okay. um, Thank you, Nancy, and thanks for the question. You're welcome. I think um, I'm particularly excited that we are talking about um, open contracting at the subnational level because over time there have been like very high demands on the federal government uh, on the their pressure. exactly there's pressure there's a kind of pressure on the federal government and then it's like there's no equal or commensurate pressure on the state government and yeah. i sometimes i think it's because citizens do not really know how to go about it and you know conversations like this just helps them you know chart a pathway for yeah. you know demanding accountability and uh, better procurement processes, you know, at the state level. And then speaking of um, some of the benefits of 
open contracting and uh, public procurement. I think Adi Joke has mentioned most of them, but I'll just kind of expatiate a little bit on some of those points. Okay, so I think one of the major um, advantages or benefits of um, open contracting uh, is that uh, it gives a clear picture of um, how the government is spending taxpayers' money. Okay. You know, if you're spending, if I'm the one putting down money, then I would want to know what you're using my money for, oh, right? Yes, so, and then if, if we have a process, you know, that, you know, um, makes open government, you know, spendings uh, on projects and on some of these um, capital costs, it just gives, you know, a clear picture of, okay, this is what we are using, you know, your money, money for. And then... Um, so we know that contra contracts specify, you know, the terms of agreement concerning, you know, implementation of projects, and um, it specifies where you want to deliver, how you want to deliver it, to whom, you know, you want to deliver it to, and then who is the contractor. And so, if citizens have some level of information on some or most of these key, you know, components, it gives them the leverage and then the opportunity to know and then to ask the right questions about mm -hmm. some of this, you know, some of those things. So, simply put, it just helps the public to know what the government is using their own their money for and then number two um, effective service delivery when information you know about government spending you know is open to the yeah. public it just it helps oversight bodies including the citizens to ask you know the right question and they can effectively monitor the implementation of such projects to determine if they are getting value for money and also to ensure that the terms of contracts are adhered to in terms of quality of projects timely execution of projects yeah. you know and so on so if you know that this is what you're meant to get at this particular time you are able to ask questions if you are not getting it or if the government is not you know doing mm -hmm. as he promised yeah. uh, and i also think that there's uh, there's meant to be a level of accountability uh, between government units that's the legislature and the executive because uh, the legislature should actually know and have information on you know spending made by the executive on projects that they have you know approved right and because of that they can also serve as like checks like check and oversight you know body to check government activities the executives activities to know you know whether they are adhering to you know the terms of okay that part approval of that particular project right and then also you know in, in in this case, we can now talk about having a uniform information being available for both the citizens and the legislature because there are times that what is available to the legislature is not what What's is available, available to the citizens. So, therefore, we're asking different questions and yes. saying that we have not seen this. So, in a case where there's uniformity of information, everybody can use that same information to now ask you know, questions on delivery, um, allocations, uh, implementation, you know, distribution, and you know, all of that. And then, thirdly, blocking revenue leakages. Um, last year, when we launched our 2021 State of State report, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the, one of the, of course, COVID-19 happened and then it affected revenues at the federal and state levels, yeah. right? And one of the ways or one of the recommendations was that states need to build, you know, their economies back, but also they also need to block, you know, revenue leakages such that, of course, you guys don't have much coming in right now. So the little that you have, you have to manage and optimize it. And um, one of the ways that we think that, you know, that would be possible is through having procurement processes because one of the ways by which the greatest level of corruption or, you know, money laundering and all of those things happen is when there's opaque, you know, uh, procurement processes at the subnational level. Yeah. 
right so if we have open contracting processes and procurement laws it, it helps to block revenue leakages at least what you're doing is open nobody can you know take more than they should nobody can you know transfer more than they should and, and then you see it exactly inflate unnecessary and lastly um, of course it reduces corruption like we already mentioned and one last point that i would make is from uh, that um tsa um, treasury single account. account it also helps in in some ways so the tsa is is not just an account it's a set of protocols that links various accounts of state agencies and entities within the executive so this way each um each state has information on what money is being you know alloc- um, um, disbursed you know for their capital project and then because of that you can't say that okay i don't know how much is being disbursed you know from the state's treasury to uh, for this particular project you know in my state so i, I think i'll just stop there okay. like i missed all the other numerous all advantages right. of um, open contracting thank, thank you. you thank you so much iano um you mentioned effective service delivery blocking revenue leakages reducing corruption is also a given as one of the importance of open contracting i'll come to viola in a bit about democratizing but first um i would like to know adejoke's opinion on this how would you say the government have fed in making public procurement information available to citizens and the CSOs. You know, we're not just talking about mere pictures right now, but we're also talking about probably formats um, that are usable and that can be analyzed, you know, for uh, information purposes. Yeah, um, really, the government, they've, um, they've actually made some effort, they made some efforts yes. to make um, information public, you know, to the citizens. And one prominent landmark that they've done and when it comes to public procurement reforms in Nigeria is the introduction of the Public Procurement Act in 2007. And of course, the act was enacted to strengthen weakened public um, institutions in order to achieve good governance mm. in public procurement. And this act actually has about 13 parts and 61 sections with um, a very broad aim of dealing exhaustively with all issues relating to transparency and integrity in public procurement. And um, the act actually also establishes the Bureau of Public Procurement. And this um, Bureau of Public Procurement is a regulatory authority which is actually responsible for the monetary and oversight of public procurement. It harmonizes the existing government policies and practices, you know, by regulating certain standards. And of course, it also develops the legal guidelines and professional capacity for public procurement in Nigeria. And of course, if you see, um, apart from at the federal level, we also have states. At the state level to subnational level, they have the Bureau of Public um, Procurement, right? And another thing that um, the Public Procurement Act actually requires the Bureau of Public Procurement to do is to establish a single internet portal that actually serves as the primary and definitive source of all information on government procurement. So they actually call this um, portal the uh, National Open Contracting Portal, Nokopo. And of course, if you go to the website, if you just type um, Nokopo, you actually see you, the, it's actually available, the information that's available for citizens, you know. The website actually, um, it, it wasn't just created by the government alone. So they actually, they did this um, website with the civil society organizations, mm-hmm. right? So that it's not just the government um, just sitting down somewhere and creating the portal, you know. They actually worked with CSOs, CSOs. Who, I mean, CSOs are interested in public procurement, yes. you know. So they actually work together to create design this, um, to design this website. And it's actually um, part of the, um, when, you know, when we talk about the Open Government Partnership, right, the National Action Plan of Open Government Partnership. So it's part of um, the commitment to 
of the National Action Plan. So it's one of the commitments. So it's something that the government, they've actually been able to fulfill that commitment when it comes to OGP. It's a great progress for the government, so really, far, yeah. so far. I mean, and this portal, um, it's, it increases disclosure of procurement information to stakeholders. I mean, anybody can actually go to this website to, you know, get information on um, public pro um, pro government procurement, yes. you know. And another thing that the government actually did again is the Open Treasury Portal, right? And this was also, it was actually designed by the federal government to provide public access to government spending. So the government spending data is actually um, available on this Open Treasury Portal. Okay at the federal level and for ministries, for departments and agencies, so that daily treasury statements on government return expenditure is actually available Detail on this there. portal, you know. And I mean, the portal also increases transparency, it promotes accountability in public um, expenditure. You can always go there to get information on contracts, contracts when, when it yeah. comes to federal, but then this is at the federal level, you know, and for ministries and um, MDs, like I said. So th those are some of the um, steps that governments have actually taken to make um, contracts to be transparent in some sort of way to citizens. I mean, they could do more, but they made some okay. progress. Yeah. So, so um, it is right to say that um, the government is quite commendable because they've created platforms whereby citizens can actually have access to this information. Of course. You, I, I mean, you can commend the government. So um, I think um, maybe one little hindrance um, is maybe the timely um, upload, upload of, of this information, information right? Yes. I mean, if you go to the Open Treasury portal, I feel like... Um, they don't upload information on time, yes. but at least you can still go there and you still get some so, some information to okay. what you need, you know. So, so yeah, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, that, that's a um, great step for the government, but right. they could do better. Thank you so much. I did okay. So regarding democratizing public procurement, Payala, uh, democratizing it for citizens, what efforts have states made so far? Thanks for that question, Nancy. I think states in Nigeria have done considerably well okay. uh, as at 2021 according to information available to us from the world bank mm. about 26 states have passed public procurement laws however passing a law is more than just passing a law what are you passing that law for how do those laws interface with democracy why should public procurement be democratized okay. so the idea is that the more citizens know the more they can hold government to account, or the better they can hold government to account, yes. the better they can provide monitoring and oversight and really engage with the government to improve the quality of governance. Passing a, a, an open contracting or procurement law is the work of government, but ensuring that citizens have access to that information and uh, ensuring that they can use it and ensuring that they can provide a level of accountability is an issue of governance. So demo democratizing this information will improve the governance profiles okay. of the various states. And as uh, Adityoke has you know, quite comprehensively discussed procurement and contracting at the federal level, several states do have these laws. Edo State has a public procurement law. Lagos State has, has one. one. Oyo yes. State has one. Uh, River State actually has one. However, there is some conflict between the operationalization of that law and its existence as a legal document so river state has passed a law but according to siftas guidelines according to siftas methodology mm -hmm. it is not in the right format okay. the siftas uh, guidelines specify certain characteristics for these procurement laws 
they prescribe certain modes in which these laws have to operate. For instance, there has to be a, a, a public procurement agency as well as a legislation. So while River State may have passed this law, there it may not no have yes, an, an actionable body okay. that oversees and administers procurement in that state. Okay. Again, in terms of the format of information, these laws may not be up to the world standard that the uh, SIFTAS program is trying to ensure that Ni Nigeria reaches up to. The um, open data, open contracting data standards are a set of, it's a program actually, it's an application that sees to the uniformity and harmonization of contracting and procurement information. It's something that the governments of 30 nations around the world have actually, uh, actually used in their public uh, procurement processes. And this means that anywhere you go, as long as it's a country that uses that, that OCDS format, you will know where to find information on health spending. Mm -hmm. You'll know how information will be represented for spending on educational materials. You'll know how information will be represented on spending for wash or for nutrition. Yes. So it ensures predictability. It ensures that citizens can even use this information in comprehensible machine-readable formats. Jokem mentioned something about the timeliness of data at the federal level. I would also even add the, the format in which this data is um, presented. Yes. The SIFTAS the, the recommendations and guidelines want to ensure that uniformity so that it can be easily accessible by citizens, thereby making it more democratized. You can publish information on your, on your procurement portal. You may not even have a procurement portal. You may just mention these things on the radio. Maybe you call your Minister of Finance to have a discussion, mm -hmm. and that's all they say. But you need to go several steps further to ensure that this information is uh, broadly accessible. I'll round up by mentioning that states do need to take it a step further by joining the Open Governance Partnership. Okay. This is another means through which they can democratize this process of open procurement open procurement and open contracting because Nigeria as you know is a is a federation and states will states oftentimes have to uh, domesticate these legislations Legislation. or conventions yes. or treaties as the case may be yes. and for the open governance partnership it is a key piece of policy that needs to trickle down to the states to ensure that the platforms the mechanisms the reform inherent in the open gov government partnership trickles down to the level of the states and they can as well buy into this uh, broad set of governance reforms basically to improve the very democracy that we're practicing. All right. Thank you very much. Um, you mentioned states taking it a step further. Uh, thank you for that. But I think um, let me move over to Ianu on this one. Are there um, any legislation so far? Probably, probably at the national or at the subnational level, either level. Are there any legislation or policy that probably guides or mandates the MDAs to publish these information, these documents? Um, according to that state of state report that I mentioned, we we know that 16 states, you know, as of last year, 2021, published, you know, their procurement um, details about their contracts and all of, and, and stuff. But we are not really certain which of them published it as a result of a law, you know, okay. enforcing it, or I just um, as a result of policy, policy. you know. So, um, yeah, policy can be ignored. You can, but when people know that there are consequences, you know, for not publishing or for not making open, they tend to give more, um, they tend to be more serious, you know, about making this information 
um, open. But um, again, in terms of legislations, the FOI Act is supposed to provide, you know, some level of um, guidance, you know, for both national and state governments in this case. But, you know, there's a little bit of conflict right now on the FOI Act on whether, on the scope of adoption, you know, whether it, you know, transcends the national to the subnational. And, you know, because of that, some states are actually holding that, you know, as like um, a point for saying that, okay, since FOI Act does not really, it's not, 100% applicable to state government, then they they don't have they're not mandated you know to obey you know to that abide act, by to it. abide by it yeah. yeah and then and and based on that I think that um, the judiciary would play a critical role in providing clarity as to what the coverage of the you know FOI, FOI Act you know entails okay. so until the Supreme Court makes a final statement on whether the act governs only the federal government or also governs the states citizens will be confused and states will be able to, you know, slip away from the responsibility. Maneuver their way. Yes. So so the, the question we're asking now is that should states have to pass their own, you know, states um, FOI acts, you know, okay. Freedom of Information Act to get them to commit to the ideas of it because uh, and we need to really answer these questions fast because the more we delay, the more states will be able to avoid responsibility and um, the more, you know, we keep, you know, hammering on this issue. So CSOs, the citizens need to partner special groups. They need to call for more, you know, determination and then um, a coherent and concise uh, rule of adoption as far as, you know, FY Act is concerned. And then um, the, the point still remains that um, um, procurement processes are one of the biggest, you know, areas through which we have revenue leakages and then, you know, opacity and all. And then um, states must, you know, find ways to, you know, adopt open contracting principles and, you know, other states. I know that there are some states that are doing well yes. in regards to um, procurement laws and all, but other states need to, you know, level up and measure up, you know, if they want to really say that they are committed to the ideas of open, open government partnership. Well, do you want to throw a thing or two? Yes, I mean, Ianu has basically trashed the issue. Uh, she really touched on something very fundamental to the operation of public procurement principles, this issue of jurisdiction. Now, there are two conflicting Supreme Court judgments, Supreme Court judgments on the applicability of the Freedom of Information Act. And mm -hmm. as Ian rightly pointed out, some states hide under the Supreme Court judgment that says it does not apply to the states, while others, like Ekiti State, you know, apply the judgment of the supreme court that said it does apply to states mm -hmm. so until there is a final pronouncement just like she said states will continue to avoid some states will continue to avoid avoid these these uh, judgments for their own benefits because there is a lot of revenue to be siphoned away when the process is not transparent there are lots there, there are lots of inefficiencies that can be used as conduits to take state monies away because of these, you know, the inability of states or the unwillingness of states yeah. to really sign on to the or to accept the the jurisdiction of the FOI Act. However, states, judiciaries and civil society organizations and even, you know, public interest litigation at the level of the states should also take the initiative to to actually ask the court to determine, you know, what is the legality of this law and do we need a state law? How should we go about doing it and what have you? 
Right. Uh, thank you so much. So we, um, we should call for more, like Yanu said, call for more determination and coherent rule of adoption, really. Okay, thank you. So um, let's talk about civil society involvement and their contribution to open contracting. You know, CSOs like Budget Foundation. Um, Adejoke, in what way is Budget supporting the state government to achieve open contracting um, if there are any internal processes that facilitate the adoption at the subnational level? Um, really, a budget. One of our core objectives is actually for to ensure that citizens' involvement in governance is um, very, very um, high. You know, so and um, it's not just enough to point fingers. We want citizens to to be aware of real-time government expenditure and um, yeah. revenue processes. And uh, of course, the government's involvement in open contracting is key to making this beyond fiction. We just, we, we just don't want to sit in our offices and you know talk about this. We want citizens to actually take charge, take ownership yes. of, of um, I mean, of asking questions when it comes to expenditure and how um, government actually spend our revenue in the country, right? So um, open contracting, like I said, and um, Transparency in public procurement have actually proven um, to be cost effective, and of course, it also reinforces the government's um, commitment to combat corruption and increase. In at, at the same time, it increases um, government um, integrity. So, one thing we do our budget is to advocate for state governments to adopt open contracting through the open government partnership, and of course, this multilateral initiative actually aims to secure concrete um, commitment from national and subnational governments. It's to promote open government, you know, it empowers the citizens, fights corruption, yeah, and of yeah. course it harnesses new technologies to strengthen governance. So, for example, about two weeks ago, we in Aquaibom State, there was, a, um, rep there was one um, document that we worked on uh, you know, last year on subnational open um, contracting, and we realized, focusing on just five states, and mm -hmm. Aquaibom State was, uh, of course, one of the states, and we realized that despite that the state actually has um, a, prom a, a procurement law, so they don't really publish their contracts for citizens to assess them to, yeah. online. So when we, you know, when we saw this, we were like, okay, can we just go to Aquabom State to, you know, preach open government um, partnership and open contracting to to the state government? So just about two weeks ago, the team we were in Aquabom State, we met with the um, executive secretary of the Bureau of Public Co Procurement in Aquabom State. We met with the commissioner for finance okay. just to discuss. Um, how the state can actually embrace open government partnership. And I mean, when if the state can actually um, embrace open government partnership, it will actually enhance contract transparency, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, OGP has a lot of stuff that, that will make it very easy for the state to be able to, to be open, to be transparent for, for its citizens. So that's, that's one thing we do. We do this advocacy visits to states that we know that, okay, that Probably maybe there are some states that don't have procurement laws, so and some have it like like I said, Aquabom State actually have um, procurement laws, but they don't publish their contracts online. Yeah. So we, so advocacy visits is one thing we do, and of course we see a lot of states, you know, signing MOU with us to help them. How okay? How do they even adopt? How can they adopt um, adopt OGP? So so many states have actually signed MOU with budget, and so that's that's how we actually try to to bring states on board when it comes to achieving open contracting and of course we really don't do is is one one person cannot do it alone right so yes, it's not like maybe only budget so we have other CSOs to um working with states trying to you know bring states on board i mean our visitation we did it alongside with some um, policy alerts not mm -hmm. just some um, budget alone so budget and policy alerts basically 
we were on the trip together to make this advocacy. So I think that that's one thing. That's how we try to bring government on board to embrace um, open contracting, really. Just seek talk to them, make them see reasons why this is actually important, okay, yes. why it's actually going to even help their own, the, the way they actually, I mean, it will reduce their work, make their work easy, easier for them, really. Well, it's commendable the work budget is doing to ensure open contracting at the subnational level. Thank you so much, Adijoke. Um, so, Viola, what is the procurement process at a uh, state level like? Um, but first, let me ask if you're aware of uh, the processes and if yes would you describe the process as being a clear line you know down to the conclusion of the project yeah thanks for that question so procurement and contracting is meant to be a very linear process okay and it involves the purchase of infrastructure the purchase of services and what have you so a department a ministry or an agency in a state Mm -hmm. has plans to carry out an infrastructure project or purchase equipment or you know the like and they raise, you know, their internal documentation for that, for that process. They ask for money from the treasury. They put out bids. They get uh, uh, responses to, or rather, they put out an invitation for bids. They get responses to those invitations. You know, there's a tender made. Mm-hmm. You know, contracts are approved, and the execution is begun. And then the the whole process is finished. And then there's an audit. So there should be sequential logical steps that anybody can follow at any point. Any point yeah. the, the question of whether states have clear lines of procurement laws is difficult to answer because like Adijoke mentioned, not all states even have procurement laws. And like uh, I mentioned in my previous comments, some states have procurement laws like River State, for example, that is only 11 pages long and it has been queried by the SIFTAS program as lacking in some fundamental aspects. Okay. So uh, Joker ended her her points by saying that we talk to governments, we, we you know have conversations with them. This is the, the 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 main thrust of what we do as civil society organizations. Governance should be a conversation where you can talk to people, you can hear what they have to say, you can look at the strength and structure of their arguments and see how these things will benefit you and your citizens in the long run. For states, the importance of having clear lines of public procurement are critical even for their own legitimacy as states. A lot of states are of the view that civil society organizations want to tarnish their image, that they call out their problems, yeah, that, they call out their, their misdeeds, but they don't realize that where they are able to carry out their functions effectively, these same civil society organizations will, will say these messages to the rooftops. Now, an example of the framework for measuring whether or not states have clear public procurement processes is looking at the SIFTAS guidelines. Mm. So for SIFTAS, they they state that, or the expectation, a state should have uh, public procurement laws, states should have public procurement agencies, states should publish their contracts. States should not just publish those contracts, but they should also publish them in specific formats, the open contracting data standard formats that ensures that these these items, these subheads are put in formats that anyone from any state in Nigeria can and understand access, and access. Understand. And someone in India, for example, I don't know whether India has signed <laughs> up to the OCDS standard, but a country that has signed up can come to Nigeria, look at our information and make an inference and make a suggestion and make a recommendation. So states that have done relatively well 
are states that have clear lines from the point of initiation to the to point, point of, of completion, completion of that of that contract or that uh, infrastructure project and not just clear lines but going back to the previous question you asked me how much democracy is involved in this process yes. so how much of this information is on a website that is accessible by anybody with an internet connection so it's one thing to have fancy laws it's another thing for you to have a sophisticated agency but how accessible is this information to the ordinary citizen with an internet connection until you can answer that question you know without leaving any stone unturned then these procurement processes may be they may be they may pass the the muster test on first glance mm -hmm. but looking at how integrated they are in the civil society process in the governance process a lot of states would really fall uh would really fall short in that regard all right uh, thank you viola um interesting conversation so ianu um going forward what should we expect from budgets regarding open contracting i mean just like um daddy jockey and viola have, you know uh, i think they did justice to you know that question uh talking about what budget has been doing yeah. and then how we've even gotten a lot of state government to you know sign up through a memorandum of understandings um open government partnership and you know open alliance and all of that mm -hmm. so i think we've made considerable pro progress right uh, but again we can't make too much progress and you can't do too much when it comes to because like we said we still have a very very long way to go you know in um making states adopt and then signing up to the ideas of you know procurement uh, processes and um, open contracting so but what i would say is that for budget Continuous engagement with um, states and, and um, citizens, you know, and helping them see the benefits of, you know, open contract. Like, like he said, you know, sometimes the government thinks that we just want to, you know, be able to see where, what they are doing wrong so yes, that we yes, can yes. start shouting and stuff. <laughs> but that's actually not the, not, not the aim. The aim is that we want to foster, you know, an environment and a state where openness and, you know, transparency and accountability is the order of the day. Yes. And that way it becomes easy for you it's not even just for you even for all the parasitic state agencies and all you can at least monitor and see what each state you know is uh, each agency actually is you know is up about when it comes to spending so uh, i think one of the ways we can you know equally foster this you know is to continually make them see the benefits you know and engage dialogue you know and mm. i see that sometimes most of them they are actually very averse because you know they see you from afar like who oh, is that watchdog that always shouts down on them but by the time we inter invite them you know for you know a dialogue session and then we have a conversation on why it is that we're exactly doing what we are doing they begin to see re reasons with us and then they are also now interested like okay how can we and then we sit as a partnership you do your uh, you, you you execute your end and then we also would sit with that you know we do our part so yeah we also need to find a way to move beyond you know because i think that the sifters program actually helped a little bit in uh, making states open you know we regard certain you know metrics because of course there are incentives yeah. but yeah the sifters program is going to you know come to an end this year right and point, you yeah. know and then that becomes a question of when the when the program ends are states going to continue, continue. or sustain these processes yes. so we need to move beyond incentivizing some of these things into you know making them standard processes that whether there's incentive or, or whether there are incentives or not states are willing to always you know you know uh, open their open their books and then publish details of their spending so and that is also where you know dialoguing with other critical stakeholders also comes in in, in place like okay you know you guys have been doing well but it doesn't even sound well that you guys now stop 
because if that has ended yeah. it's not good on your state or your image so how do we help you what do you need from budget i know that we at some point we were developing a citizen's budget and then some um, simplified you know um information for you know citizens to be able to understand and compare what the government is up to and we can even take it further you know help you with setting if if you think that budget can come in you know and help but at the core of it like i said is engaging stakeholders dialogue session to make them understand and see why what we're doing is important and try to also aim for more partnership with some, one of some of the state governments in terms of um, signing contracts with them mous you know to also um, execute some of this all right. Uh, thank you so much, Viola. Do you have anything to add? I mean, Yandu just took the words right out of my mouth. I have very little to say. I just want to paint a picture of the importance of open contracting. So it's one thing for you to make the, the bidding process open. It's another thing for citizens to know who exactly is involved, mm-hmm. how much they are being paid, what are the obligations of both parties, what is the estimated date for this project to end. Making this information public making it available and accessible on websites will even save the government money in monitoring these projects themselves okay. because there will be independent verification from citizens yes. and that makes your that, that makes your projects cheaper that helps you to plug leakages that makes the entire system of contracting much more efficient there are expectations from the states as yanu has rightly pointed out there has been progress i will say that as of 2019, I think only 14 or 17 states had public procurement laws. But as of 2021, there are now 26. 26. That's a good yes. number. I think that's a remarkable achievement. And I really give kudos to the SIFTAS team and all the civil society organizations that have been involved. But like Yanu said, there's going to be a lot uh, that is a lot of expectation on the part of state governments moving forward. We are going into an election year. Some governors are not returning. (laughs) Some states will have by-elections. Some states will have new governors. What kind of legacy are these governors going to create for generations to come? What what will be the nature of governance at the subnational level? We all like to point fingers at the federal government. The federal government is doing this. The federal government is doing that. We also need to put an equal amount of attention on the state State governments, especially seeing as, you know, with this whole controversy about subsidy and its likely removal, it will mean that there is going to be far less money available for states. How efficient, how effective, how well will they manage their scarce resources? And finally, I would like to also commend citizens for the little work or the large work that they do by engaging with their uh, representatives, by engaging with their executives, by writing letters, by asking questions. You know, we commend you for that and we ask that you continue to do so. All right, thank you so much, Viola. Interesting conversation, by the way. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much, um, Ianu Fatoba. Thank you, uh, Nancy. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Um, that was Viola Kwaga, Senior Research and Policy Analyst at Budget Foundation, um, the Acting Head, Media, Communication, and Creative, Ianu Lua Fatoba. And we also had the Head of Extractive Department, Engineer Adijake Akimbodi, and they took us through public procurement and open contracting at a subnational level. Um, I'll say this is a good place for us to draw the curtain. Uh, the conversation continues on our social media platforms. It's at Budget NG across all Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So let's keep the conversation coming in. Uh, the comments are also welcome. Don't forget to like, share, and uh, spread the word of open contracting because it's very important. And also expect the next one the part two of the sequel rather the sequel to this very conversation my name is nancy odimegu until next time do have a lovely day